Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you're here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Are you struggling with brand clarity, confidence, and creating content that connects? Want to brand yourself or your business but don't know where to begin? Or are you frustrated because you're doing all the things you see everyone else doing, but you aren't getting more clients? You're telling everyone what you do, but no one hears you. It's like you're speaking a foreign language because your message isn't resonating. I hear you. The overwhelm is real. I feel your pain and frustration. I've been there. It wasn't overnight that I grew my business and figured out how to create a cohesive and consistent brand message that builds genuine connections and gets more clients. In fact, I did everything the hard way and I want to make it easier for you because I've been in your shoes and I don't want you to struggle anymore. I am offering brand strategy, clarity, confidence, and connection coaching sessions to help you master your brand messaging and be seen and heard as the expert you are. In a one hour strategy session, we'll dive deep into your values, visions, and passions to create absolute clarity around your brand messaging and business. You'll not only have absolute clarity for your brand messaging, but you'll feel confident. When you are confident, you will trust yourself more and be able to create content, content that genuinely connects and helps your ideal audience get to know, like, and trust you. After working with Tracy for only one hour, she said, Robin's branding expertise was not only insightful, but empowering. She gave me a clear vision of my personal brand and how I can market myself as an authority in higher education. The blueprint she gave me for creating a personal brand is very detailed, but most importantly, gives me confidence that I can and will continue to transform business initiatives within higher education programs and help and inspire others to do the same. Don't you want to achieve that sense of clarity and confidence to feel empowered to inspire your audience? I believe you can and will when we work together. Now, if you're envisioning yourself feeling anxious and frantically taking notes during this session, don't worry. You don't have to write anything down. The only thing you need to do is focus on the strategy session and learning, and I'll take care of everything else. You'll receive a comprehensive blueprint from me outlining everything we've talked about with action items that will take your brand messaging to the next level and attract more clients. Do you want absolute clarity on your brand messaging and to know how to connect with your ideal audience to attract more clients? Then this strategy session is for you. 
Don't waste any more time spinning your wheels. Go to therobingram.com slash shop to schedule your session today. Hurry, because I have limited spots per month so that I can give you the attention you deserve. I can't wait to work with you and watch your brand messaging and business transform. So I have a very special guest with me today. Brian Caparici is joining me for a discussion that will hopefully give you guys a lot of insight on processes within your business. Um, We're going to focus on working on your business versus in your business, recognizing pain points and identifying how to create solutions and processes to help you not only achieve success in your business, but also keeping overwhelm at bay. So let me tell you a little bit about Brian. Brian is an award-winning wedding and portrait photographer based out of Font Hill, Canada. In 2014, he was awarded his Master's of Photographic Arts designation by the Professional Photographers of Canada, making him the youngest Canadian photographer to receive this level of achievement. His photographic work is beautiful, very, very talented. But he's also very business savvy. And Brian is the host of the Business of Photography podcast with over 2 million downloads. He teaches at workshops across North America, including industry leading conventions and conferences such as WPPI, Shutterfest, and Canada Photo Convention. Brian is also the CEO and founder of Sprout Studio. And the reason we're going to be talking about recognizing pain points in our business and finding solutions for them through processes is related specifically to Brian's experience with building Sprout Studio. So I'm really excited to dive into this episode today. I think it's going to provide a lot of valuable information and insight into how we can create successful businesses without having so much stress and overwhelm on the daily basis. So join me and I hope you enjoy it. And I would love to hear your feedback afterwards and hear from you about any processes that you have put into place, as well as whether or not this episode helped you think about how you approach your business and processes within your business. So tune in and enjoy the episode. Brian Caparici, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Hey, Robin. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be on, I guess, this side of the interview. I wouldn't say this side of the microphone because the microphone's still in my face, but I'm on this side of the interview. It's fun. Yeah. So speaking of that, I was on your show, what, gosh, maybe a month or two ago. And that was so much fun talking to you about being a photographer, but then actually going into branding. So I'm really excited that you're here with me today to now kind of flip the coin and have you on to talk about your business and your entrepreneurial journey. So With that being said, will you please tell us a little bit more about you, what your backstory is, what your first phase was, and then where you're at today? For sure. Yeah. So I um, was, my my previous career was a student. I was in the university for school. I was taking computer science. I've always had a knack for the technology side of things. And I loved programming and I love what you can do with technology. And in some, I guess, weird way, I just discovered photography. You know, I started working on the computer side for a local photographer and just kind of discovered it that way. I, I actually 
don't have this like long story of being, you know, into pictures as a kid and stuff. But I fell into it while I was in university and just absolutely fell in love with it. So I transitioned from the sort of computer science side of things over to business in school and started my photography business. And now it's been 15 years. So I love the creative side of photography and I love making images and working with clients and all of that side of thing. But for me, Robin, I've always considered myself an entrepreneur first and a photographer second. Mm, And I I think that in the early stages of my career, like my first year of photographing weddings, I photographed 32 weddings. I was an 18 year old you know, kid at the time, photographing 32 weddings, making over $100,000 a year from photography. And I think that I've, you know, if I look now back in retrospect, I can see that a lot of what I consider as achieving the success in the way that I define it is because I always looked at things as an entrepreneur first. So I'm wondering, Brian, now that you've said that, do you think having gone to school and having that business background helped you with that? Or do you think it was innate? (laughs) It's a good question. I didn't finish my business degree. So I think it was innate. When I transitioned from computer science into business, at that point, I was already a year and a half, two years into doing photography. I was in my, I think, third or fourth year of university. And the things that I was then having to go back and learn on the business side of it was like, international marketing and you know the details of accounting and what a balance sheet is and what an income statement is and at that point i was thinking i know a lot of this stuff already just because you learn through the school of hard knocks but also i had been intentional in setting up my business by having the right people around me so i had a bookkeeper i had an accountant i had a lawyer i had advice and i had advisors around me that were smarter than i was in their areas of expertise so i had already decided early on what i was going to outsource and what i was going to continue to do myself so from a business schooling standpoint just for me i don't think that it was necessarily helpful i've always been entrepreneurial sort of intuitively. I remember in grade 11, I participated in a small business and an entrepreneurship competition where we basically had to make a business and then put an entire business plan together for it. And I remember I placed in the region, I went on to the regional competitions for it because I started this online grocery store and I had put this full business plan together for it. It's funny now how things have, have evolved and where things have gone now, but I think it's always been just something inside of me that I've enjoyed entrepreneurship and I've enjoyed starting things. And so it came very natural for me. There's several things that you said there that I really want to pinpoint because as entrepreneurs, and I think especially as creatives, people jump into business and they really don't know the first thing about it. Mm -hmm. So you were really fortunate that you had that innate sense. And I've been fortunate in that respect as well. However, the majority I don't think are, and that's why so many entrepreneurships end up failing when Mm -hmm. people end up going back into the workforce, because we have to realize our weaknesses or the things that we are not necessarily experts at, and then hire those out, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think it's funny because if I backtrack that journey a tiny little bit, when I started like in the quote unquote photography industry, I was doing the computer side for this other photographer. When I decided to break out on my own and do my own thing, 
I still didn't even own a DSLR. Like I didn't know the first thing about photography. I just knew that I enjoyed the field and the industry. And I started my business. I literally went to the small business office here in my town. I went to the bank and opened my bank account. I did all that, started building a website, and I still didn't even have a camera. I didn't even know how to take a picture yet. So I definitely put the business side before the creative side. And then of course, I, I, you know, fell in love with the actual art and the creative process of being a photographer. But I don't think that anyone is lost in that process. I don't think that, you know, whether you started that way, like perhaps Robin, you, you and I did, or if you start like most creative entrepreneurs start where they fall in love with a thing and then they want to make that thing their business. That's not a bad place to be. That's a great place to be because you have the passion, you have the desire, you have the want to push forward in that. But I would encourage you to sort of, you know, pause just for a moment and say, what are the things I need to be thinking about that sort of surround the thing that I love to do? You know, what's the business of the thing I love to do? Because most entrepreneurs just focus on the thing that they love to do and they forget about everything else that needs to happen to actually be successful in the business of doing that thing they love to do. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, it's a blessing both ways, whether you're jumping in from a business perspective and jumping over to the creative side, or you're coming from the creative side with no business expertise. But as long as you realize that you need to surround yourself with a tribe of experts who can help you and assist you, and don't be afraid to ask for that help, because I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. Yeah, I think surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you, (laughs) surrounding yourself with people that excel in areas that maybe perhaps you don't excel in. I think that is a really, really valuable lesson. I remember watching, I guess, I don't know, it was a DVD back in the day. I guess it's sort of like a little mini webinar, I guess you could call it now, but it was with Marcus Buckingham. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Marcus and and his writing and his research in The Strengths Finder, but he talked, it was called Trombone Player Wanted. And maybe you can even find this on YouTube today. But he basically goes through this whole process of, you know, our whole lives were taught to focus on the things that we're not good at. You know, he uses the example of a kid comes home with a report card and they've got an A in math, an A in science, but they've got an F in English. And our parents want to, you know, let's focus on English. Let's make English better. And and yes, we don't want to avoid it and ignore it. But Let's let's look at the fact that they're really good at math. Like let's put some energy there. And I think that's his lesson in that is as entrepreneurs, as adults in the world, play to your strengths. You know, the things that you're good at, do more of. The things that you're not good at, like outsource that. There's accountants that actually love numbers. I hate that stuff. But there's people that love it and are really good at it. So why would I spend my time there when I can have someone that can do that stuff for me so I can spend my time doing the things I'm good at and that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Excellent points. I love that. So you jumped into photography and I I love this, that you had no idea what you were doing. You had to learn, (laughs) you had to get a camera first of all, and then learn how to do manual settings and Mm -hmm. all of that good stuff to really create. So you went from a very successful wedding photography business and Mm -hmm. portraiture business to realizing that there were systems that you were having and processes that you were having to go through over and over and over that were tedious and cumbersome and taking a ton of your time. And then you decided to do what? You identified a problem and then you found a solution. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think the best solutions come from those that are in the trenches, you know, and when you can scratch your own itch or when you 
can discover an itch because you have it, <laughs> you know, and you can figure out the solution to that, you know, from the front line, what better way to be a, a problem solver in today's, you know, society. And so for me, yeah, certainly I was running my photography business. I was doing well by all of my own measures. Everyone's de- definition of success is different, but you know, I was happy. I was doing well. My wife was a stay at home mom with at the time, just our daughter, who's our oldest daughter now, she's seven. And we were doing well. Like we owned our house. We paid off our mortgage. We owned our cars. Like we vacationed when we want. Everything was good. I was happy. But there was certainly this void that I was feeling in this, you know, challenge. Like photography was going great, but I was feeling like the process and the organizational structure just had something missing. Like I was running my business and I was using one system for my galleries and a different system for my clients and a different system for my marketing and a different system for this and a different system. And I was using all these different tools kind of pieced together and they were all working individually fine. But I being the like person with a technology background, I wanted to be able to do more with it, but because they weren't all kind of speaking the same language, they didn't fit together at all. And that bothered me. So I said, there's got to be a way for these things to talk together. There has to be a way for these things to work together. And there wasn't. And there was no system that had more than one of these components in one place. So I said, you know, famous last words, right? How hard can that be? (laughs) So, (laughs) So I set out to have the idea and to vision and to, to now create and what is now Sprout Studio. So that's kind of how all that came to be. Which I will say that I was in the exact same boat as you in my photography business until I found Sprout Studio and invested in it. And it has been such a time saver for me. I'm so glad to hear that. That's super nice to hear. I mean, we have so many users across the world and like intuitively and inherently, I know how great Sprout can be because I use it in my own business too. But I just, I love hearing someone raising their hand and saying like, Hey, this has helped me. It's like, cool. That's great. I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, we talked a little bit about finding those people that can help us, but we can actually help ourselves too, by designing a process map within our own business, especially for those things that we do over and over time and time again, things like having contracts signed, sending out proposals for photographers, posting proofs and having a proofing system and having a smooth transition from posting those proofs to then having the information come back to us as far as what the favorites are and what prints want to be ordered and all those things. But from the business perspective of all of that, even if you're not a photographer, you have contracts, you have proposals, you have all these same things that you have to do on a regular basis. So if you can figure out a way to create processes within your business, I think it not only saves you time, but it enables you to focus more on your business and developing it further and building relationships and engaging your audience so that you can have more clients, which ultimately results in more revenue. So who doesn't want that? Yeah, it's almost kind of like what we talked about earlier, where, you know, you need to think about where is your time best spent? Like there's an element of what are you good at? What are you not good at? What do you enjoy doing? What do you not enjoy doing? But there's also the question of where, where is your time best spent? in your business. Like I might enjoy the numbers, but is it worth my time to spend 30 hours a week doing that when I should be 
shooting or networking or marketing or selling or whatever. So there's that question too of where is my time best spent? And from the get-go with Sprout, the idea was how can we put photographers back into the place of spending their time where it matters most? And that could mean building their business and growing their business and marketing and selling and being in front of clients. But it also could mean having some breathing space. You know, so many photographers, and I extrapolate that out to say even entrepreneurs, are in this place of overwhelm in their business. And they have this horrible balance in their life with their family, with the things that they enjoy personally, because their business can be all-consuming. And that was a huge motivation for me in directing and continues to be a motivation for me in directing Sprout because we want Sprout to be a tool that not only can help photographers succeed in their business, but can help them have that margin so that they can enjoy the fruits of their labor and enjoy the benefits of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You know, we hear so much about mindfulness and, and mindset and self-care these days. And we really can't invest our time in any of those things to help with health and wellness if we don't have processes in place to make the business run more smoothly. For sure. And that's where there's this process that, you know, I'd love to walk through with everyone listening. And it's this idea of starting with number one, when you look at anything in your business, I'm a believer that anything that you do more than once, you need to pass through this set of filters. Because if you're doing anything more than once, if you're sending a contract, if you're replying to a certain kind of email, if you're booking a client, if you're sending a proposal, like whatever it is in your business, any process that you might do more than once needs to be walked through this set of filters. And and that set of filters is this. Number one, does this need to be done? (laughs) That's, That's a really important question because a lot of the things that so many entrepreneurs spend their time doing, thinking it's so important, really at the end of the day, if you truly ask yourself, does this need to be done? Does it need to get done? Some things won't pass through that test. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so ask yourself the hard question, like, am I doing this just to kind of feel busy? Am I doing this to sort of feel like I'm doing something important? Does this actually need to get done? That's question number one. Question number two is, am I the best person to be doing this? So let's say it does need to get done. So it passes through that first filter. Am I the best person to be doing this? And again, that comes down to what we've talked about already. Maybe outsourcing is a better solution. Maybe insourcing is a better solution. And you hire someone on your team to do it. Or you pass it off or you you know hand it off to somebody else. The next question is, can I automate this? So let's say it does need to get done and you are the best person to do this. Okay, can I automate this in some way? And that's where a tool like Sprout or if you're in any other industry, there's many great tools out there that can help you with automation. So figuring out how can you be as hands-off on this, like, yes, it needs to get done. Yes, you're the best person to do it. How can you be as hands-off as possible? in getting this thing done. So that would be the next sort of filter to pass through. Can I automate this? Now, let's say that there's no way for you to automate it because it needs to be touched manually or it needs manual intervention or it needs your decision-making process on it. That's fine. Let's pass it through the next filter, which is how can I streamline this in as much a way as possible? That might mean things like 
can I use a template to get me started? Can I use an email template to get me started? Can I use a phone script to get me started? You don't need to be burning mental calories every time you do this if it's something that you do in a very similar way every time. So then from there, (laughs) even if you can't streamline that as much as possible, at least give it some intentionality with systematizing it. In a space of clarity, when you're not in the moment, when you're not reacting to the thing, take some time now and say, let me look at the process I go through to manually do this because I have to do it. I can't outsource it. I can't automate it and I can't streamline it. So it just needs to get done. I need to hustle. I need to do the grunt work on this. Let's kind of break down how I do it then to make sure that I'm doing it in the most optimal way to make sure that I'm being as efficient as I possibly can in doing this. Is there any part of the process that I can tweak or make better when I'm thinking about this in a time of clarity, not when I'm reacting and doing the thing? Because that way, when I'm doing it, I'm doing it in at least the most optimal way possible. So that's kind of like the set of filters that I would recommend passing really anything that you do more than once through to make sure that you're following the best system that you possibly can be following. You know, you just reminded me, Brian, and those are excellent filters. I love those. And I've, you know, over the years used every single one of those for different processes that I have in place for those items that I do over and over again. But the one thing that you made me think of was the book E-Myth Revisited. And Mm. in that book, he talks about, you know, if we have these things that we do over and over again, no matter if you are a photographer or you own a bakery or you are a copywriter, there are certain things that you're going to be doing over and over and over again with every single client that comes on board. So map out those processes and then record that so Mm -hmm. that maybe you don't have an employee today, but you're on the brink of hiring someone. Or maybe you're going to have to go in to have a procedure done and not be able to work for a couple of weeks and somebody else is going to have to take over. So map out those processes step by step so that someone else can step in and know exactly how to do it just the way you did it. Yeah. And not only is that good as a contingency plan, because that is massively valuable to have something like that if something happened your processes could still carry on, that you've got sort of a master document or a set of documents that explain how to do these things if you have to be out of the business for a little bit. But not only is that important, but also I have found that when you take the time to write those things out and to make that plan, that's when you have the most clarity to say, why am I doing that? That doesn't make sense that way. I should be doing it this way instead. And I remember, Robin, specifically the first time that I hired a studio manager, my first employee in my business, and this must have been 10 years ago, I kind of had to go through this process because I said, okay, you're going to basically like run a lot of these processes in the business and in the studio. And I said, okay, so when let's make a procedure, you know, a standard operating procedure, an SOP, this like weird, scary, very techie, nerdy sounding thing. You know, I said, when someone calls and they want to, inquire about family portraits, this is like the process that I go through. And this is like the kinds of things that I would say. And I actually, we wrote a script together and like we wrote this entire SOP for when we get an inquiry and we wrote an SOP for when we have to 
compile images to deliver to a client. Have you wrote an SOP when we order an album and we need to order prints and when an IPS session is coming in and all these things. And in the process of writing that out with the intention of having somebody else read it, review it and do it, we optimized so much (laughs) through that process because it's the first chance that you have to actually kind of zoom out and look at things from that five mile high perspective and be like, that doesn't make any sense. Let's tweak that. You're right. And you know, we tend to do these things ourselves and sometimes having that extra set of eyes lends just an immense amount of knowledge and wisdom on how we can improve. But we tend to, I think sometimes when we're working by ourselves, we just assume, well, this is working. So this is how it's going to stay. But having someone else's eyes, just take a quick peek at something can really give a lot of insight on how we can improve something or a process. Yeah, for sure. There's this whole concept, wonderful book that I would recommend reading. It's completely unrelated to what we're talking about here, but it's called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And in that, he talks a lot about this idea of the curse of knowledge. And I think that the concept is applicable here where because we as the business owner, we as the entrepreneur, we as the, as the doer of these things are so close to these processes that we just have this curse of knowledge and we just intuitively understand these things. And that often leads us to skip a lot of things and assume a lot of things and kind of perhaps be ignorant to a lot of things throughout the process. Whereas when we have to explain it, you know, to your grandma, or if you have to explain it to someone that is coming in to do these in your place, if they have the opportunity to kind of poke at that and say like, why is this done this way again? Or can you explain that to me a little bit more? When you're forced to go through that process, you see things from a completely different perspective. Yeah, 100%. I agree. So it's interesting, Brian, we've kind of run the gamut here in terms of identifying a problem within our business structure and then creating the solution for that, which is what you did with Sprout Studio. And what I want to emphasize there is that you didn't do it completely alone, that you tapped into your network and your community to have other people help build the system and do the things that you couldn't do. Absolutely. So when I first started, I mean, I know enough about what can be done with technology to what I call be dangerous, but I don't know enough to be able to do the things, you know, I know enough that I can sort of speak the language and at least be knowledgeable about what's happening, but I would not trust myself to be behind the code and actually build Sprout or do something in Sprout. So from the get go, I knew that it wasn't going to be me that built it, but instead I was going to have to hire people. So I actually sort of attacked that from a couple of different perspectives. And this is again, where it's important If you have an idea, if you're looking to solve a problem, you do need to get creative with the solutions and everyone's situation will be different and everyone's financial capability will be different as well. So that also needs to be factored in. But for me, I sort of took this two-pronged approach. I started by trying the complete outsourced route. So I went to, at the time, I think it was Elance or one of those, you know, online, I think there's like Upwork, there's Fiverr, there's tools like that. I went to to that platform and I said, hey, I need to build a software. I have the idea. I need programmers to build it for me. And I had people that, you know, bid on that and I ended up 
hiring a company out of India. And I went about, I don't know, two months with that company. And it was, you know, a lot of back and forth and a lot of like scope documenting and things like that. And I spent about $15,000 there doing that. And it wasn't until about two months in when I got the first sort of prototype of what is now Sprout. And I said, yeah, there's so much that's just not there. There's a huge barrier of language, a huge barrier of culture, of just not being able to explain things and understand the process that a photographer would go through to do this. And so I made the decision right then and there that I said, this isn't going to work. I need to hire someone that's here local that I can meet with, that I can explain, that I can have conversations with and be in touch with on a more regular basis. So I basically just wrote that $15,000 off. And Ouch. that, yeah, I mean, that wasn't easy for sure. And so that version of Sprout is like trashed. It doesn't exist anymore. So I basically then went and I looked around locally to say, who do I need to get involved here? And that's where I came to the realization that there's going to be a visual component of what needs to happen. Like things need to look pretty, but also things need to work. You know, the button needs to be pretty, but when you click the button, it needs to do something. I learned that there's two parts of programming and that is what I now understand is sort of user interface and user experience and then actual engineering. So I actually brought on partners to start Sprout with me and they were web designers really great web design team. And I basically split the equity in Sprout with them and their contribution was the pretty stuff, making the design look good. And then together we went out and contracted a programming team locally to actually have it. So when you click the button, it does something functional. So that was kind of where I went. And again, like, I mean, hindsight, <laughs> hindsight is always twenty twenty. What we had initially set out to do was, you know, build Sprout. We got a quote from this programming company to say like, yes, it will be $10,000 and it's going to be two months for us to build this. So, you know, expectations are set there. Of course, it ended up taking a year and a half and cost probably 20 times that from that initial quote <laughs> for the initial build out of Sprout. But obviously you, you learn as you go. But again, having that team thinking creatively. And again, I say that at the time, I was in a very different financial position. Some entrepreneurs may not be in that place. You know, I had been running my photography business for 10 years and doing well and everything was going great. So I had the luxury of being able to invest in creating a solution like this that might not be possible for some people. So you do have to think creatively and that might mean you have to bring on investors or it might mean you have to get a loan or you may have to be a bit more scrappy about it. But certainly that's the path I followed. And since then, I've learned that I prefer just as the leader of Sprout, as the CEO and the founder of the company, I prefer to have a team that works together in the same office. And so I actually just hired programmers that are employees of Sprout and a hired designer that's an employee of Sprout, support people that are employees of Sprout. And we have now a company that there's eight of us and we all build and maintain and continue to grow what is now Sprout. But that's the sort of path. And I've tried every option in that where it's been completely outsourced and then kind of arm's length apart. And then now what it is, which is just having a team that does it all together. Yeah, I like the entire journey that you went on because so much of our life as entrepreneurs is trial and error. Oh, yeah. But as long as you have that foresight and stay positive, you can see it through to the end. And something else you said, like, you know, you were very fortunate that you had the financial backing yourself to invest in this product and, you know, tap into the right resources and the people that you needed. Some entrepreneurs don't have that, but mm -hmm. that's where 
you know, being able to pitch and use PR skills comes into play because there are investors out there looking for the next greatest idea or the next well, and, great and idea. And actually, the, the interesting thing, I guess I should clarify, I financed that early stage of building Sprout. But when it got to the point that it did, if I think back five or six years ago, I had to stop financing it at some point. I did bring on investors. I did have to go and pitch. So I do have other shareholders in the company that have had to contribute funds to build Sprout to what it is today. At this point, we're financially stable and we're cash flow positive and our own revenues is what funds Sprout. But I did have to go and pitch and do all that. And so that was a whole learning lesson too in and of itself to basically go out to folks in my network and say, hey, can you give money for something that we don't have built yet? I mean, now it's almost not easier, but like the tech startup thing is a lot more popular and more common knowledge now, but it wasn't six or seven years ago. So it was a very different time back then. So I'd say it's almost even easier now to find investors. If you have a good idea and have a good vision, and if you're the right leader for something, whether it's in tech or not, there's a lot more opportunity out there to get access to investors, angel investors and venture capitalists and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It takes some time and you really have to invest time, but they are out there. And if you really believe in your idea, I think it's worth the effort. And and honestly, Robin, it takes it takes like an, an unprecedented level of drive and dedication and devotion and passion because I'll tell you like firsthand, no question, like the journey is anything but a straight line. <laughs> it's anything but. It's a very squiggly journey. You know, the, the sort of entrepreneur, the building a thing that can make a, make a difference, make an impact. It's a tough go. And there's challenges along the way. And there have been like, I can't even tell you how many times I've hit a crossroad in Sprout that has been like, oh my gosh, like this is the end of it, of me, of my sanity. I can't do this anymore. I'm completely burnt out. We're completely out of options financially. We're completely at this place where the team is a mess. I've been there. I mean, very fortunately, the last three, four, five years have been great. But in those early stages, in that sort of like hustle, early startup stages, wow, was it ever tough. And I've said so many times that like, man, this is not for the faint of heart. So many people would have thrown in the towel at this point. And I think it's that drive and in me, that fire that just says like, I will not give up on this. I will pursue this and I will push through this and I will not let the overwhelm take over me. It's that drive that helped me push through it. But I can speak now from the other side of it to say that it will happen. It's there, it's hard, and be prepared for it to be hard. But the reward and how you feel and the success on the other side of it is so worth the battle. Yeah, I love that because it's so true. If you have the stamina and the perseverance and you really and truly believe in what you're doing, you can get to the other side and then you have the glory of this success. For sure. Absolutely. I I think that's actually a really good point, Robin. If you believe in what you're doing, and I can look back now in retrospect and say, it was my belief that what I'm building is something important that helped me push through everything. And so if you do have that true belief, and it's not just a get rich quick scheme, or it's not just some hope or some like, maybe this will happen. If you believe in it with your every, every being with your every, every ounce of you, then that's enough to help you push through it. Yeah. It's that faith and confidence in what you 
have the idea for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Brian, this has been a great conversation. So there's so many takeaways. I have quite a few notes that I will, of course, incorporate <laughs> into the show notes. But for sure. I really think that the takeaways here are that if you truly believe in an idea, it is worth the struggle to push and fight for making something happen. And especially when you've identified that there is a problem and you can create the solution for it. And then the other thing is that processes are key to ultimate success because they can help you not only be able to spend more time in your business, working on your business for further success, but it also gives you that grace to keep the overwhelm away and take care of yourself at the same time. It's so true. And the interesting thing is I like to say that if success was easy, everyone would have it. Success yeah. isn't easy, but if you can be intentional about what you're doing, which is the second takeaway that you just talked about, the processes and optimizing things. But then also if you can be okay with the hard work, which is the first point, then you will achieve success. It's not easy, but if you have the drive and the belief and the trust and the faith to push through it, then it can be there for you. Yeah. I love it. So Brian, tell everyone, please, where they can reach you. If we have photographers listening, which I know there are some, do you have anything special you want to tell them about Sprout Studio? And then let everyone know where they can find you on social media, your website, all of those things. For sure. Yeah. So if anyone wants to check me out personally on Instagram, my Instagram uh, profile is bcap photo, B-C-A-P photo. There's two P's in there. So I'm obviously like a wedding and a portrait photographer, but I've also got three kids. So I photograph them a ton and post a lot of stuff of them. So happy to connect with you over there on Instagram. If you are a photographer and are interested in checking out Sprout Studio, uh, if you go to getsproutstudio.com or if you just type in getsproutstudio on any of the socials, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, for example, then you can find us over there. So we do have a 21 day free trial. Anyone's welcome to hop in and uh, kick the tires, take it for a spin, see if it's going to make sense for them. But otherwise, yeah, happy to have them over there. We have our own podcast as well, where we go into the business side of photography. Again, Robin, you were on that not long ago. So if anyone here listening is a podcast listener, which you are because you're listening to a podcast. <laughs> and, if you're, and if you're a photographer and want to learn more about the business side of photography, then we'd love to have you over there. We're on episode 420 somethings. So we've been going pretty strong for a very, very long time now and would love to have you guys over there. It's just called the business of photography in whatever podcast uh, app you listen to. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Brian. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Robin. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, the Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the second phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.